Just got to get untangled here real quick. Uh, hey, what's up, y'all? How's it going? Good to see everybody. Uh, so happy Sunday. Um, again, like things have changed. Things have shifted. I feel like every week we're pivoting. Um, so thanks for joining with us in person here. Uh, and yeah, we just also want to extend uh, a hello. And thanks for joining us if you're tuning in um, online. Uh, speaking of that, this is hilarious. I, I, was, I was putting my gum in the trash can uh, in the kitchen, and I saw this plate. So our daughter's named Shiloh, and this is a plate for, of hers that was in there. And I was like, I don't even know when the last time <laughs> we were here eating something, and it still was cracking me up. So I, I know uh, Jill, my wife, and the kids are watching from home. So I found the plate, love, and I'll bring that home. Um, but I think this is a reminder of the community that we have, um, that it's something that we might have barriers that, I don't know, inhibit or change how we interact with each other, um, but we're still the family of God. Um, so thanks for being with us this morning. Uh, if you want to grab uh, your Bible or device, um, we're going to be looking at Psalm 84 today. Um, so you can, ch- you can uh, check that out and turn to that psalm. So, so we've been in a series uh, through the Psalms, and I feel like a ton of churches are doing that right now, right? There's, there's so much in the Psalms that uh, is, is almost like exactly what we need right now, right? Um, and these kind of three themes of lament, protest, and praise really categorize um, a lot of what the psalmists are responding to, um, whether it's exile, oppression, um, victory, uh, just expressing joy and worship to the Lord. Um, the Psalms take us through this, uh, this journey of how God's people have dealt with um, all sorts of trials, tribulations, all that kind of stuff. Um, another way, if you want to think about it, for those of you who were uh, her old school analog, uh, the Psalms are kind of like the mixtape of God's people through a jacked up world. <laughs> so if you can imagine that, that's, that's literally what the Psalms are. Um, it's this catalog of, of lament, protest, and praise as God's people are working through all these different um, situations and circumstances. Um, and, and the psalm today uh, is, is, is actually part of the, uh, um, the second book of the psalms. So the psalms are kind of broken up into a number of different sections. Um, and if you look at the way that the psalms uh, kind of ramp up towards the end, um, you see this transition happening where the earlier psalms are, are really a lot of lament, a lot of protest, a lot of crying out to the Lord and, you know, these feelings of sadness and depression. As we go through it, the kind of the ratio begins to change where um, we start building into these songs of praise, these songs of, um, of worship uh, and praising God. Um, and so this psalm, I think, really has a lot to speak to us um, in our process um, that we find ourselves in today. Um, so the title of this psalm is My Soul Longs for the Courts of the Lord. And does anybody raise your hand if you remember the Matt Redman song? Better is one day in your... Yeah, okay, a couple people. Honestly, I could not get that out of my head. And Cards on the Table, I do not like that song a lot. Not, not that it's a bad song, but this is personal preference. Um, but as I've studied it, I've really gained a new appreciation and love for what Matt Redman and thousands of years before him... Uh, this psalmist um, is cataloging here, is talking about. So um, 
if you want to follow along, I'm going to read through the psalm, and then uh, we're going to talk about uh, three points. Um, nice little three-point sermon. Uh, but just three three uh, kind of bullet points that the psalmist highlights um, that I think really speak into um, this experience of longing. Um, so this is Psalm 84. My soul longs for the courts of the Lord. To the choir master, according to the Gatif, a psalm of the sons of Korah. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in, the ho- in your house, ever singing your praise, Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose hearts are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain is also, or also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Um, I invite you to pray with me also. Uh, God, if, if, I, if I search my own heart as I feel is, is, is this state of, of where we're at, God, longing is something that we're too familiar with. Um, God, there's so much out of joint, out of order. Um, God, there's so much unrest, um, so much tension, um, so much war, uh, be that internally, um, interpersonally, um, uh, between nations. God, there's so much happening right now and that sense of longing, um, God, for resolution is, God, you can almost touch it right now. And Father, we pray that your psalm here, um, a, a, a song, a, a hymn, lyrics that you you wrote um, to your people. Uh, God, I pray that they guide us in, in bringing our longing before you, uh, God, to seek your presence. Um, so God, I pray you would bless us, you would shape your people. Um, Holy Spirit, you know exactly what we need to hear um, individually and corporately uh, in this room, um, in our nation, in the church uh, across this world. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak powerfully to your people. You would call people to your name. Um, God, that you would bring blessing, uh, correction, conviction, healing, um, the fruits of your spirit uh, to us today. So we love you, Jesus, and pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, so I was, I was thinking about a lot of conversations I've had, um, a lot of them through Zoom and FaceTime and texting and all that kind of stuff. 
But I feel like I started to see this pattern in conversations as I would I would go from you know person to person or group to group, uh, and and it, it was it was phrases like this. Um, I can't wait for things to go back to normal. Uh, I hope things will actually change this time. Um, I just want things to be the way they used to be. And I just want this to be over. Uh, if that resonates with you, you can give a snap. You can raise a hand. I feel like that so much is the cry of our hearts right right now. And for me, the theme I hear that's running through all of these is this theme of longing, right? Um, that there is something that we desire that's not present, not a present reality. And there's so many issues. Um, I, I pray through those, those uh, tensions, those pressures that we feel, be it COVID-19, um, the pandemic that is impacting our health, uh, what people have talked about is the second pandemic of systemic racism, um, loss of jobs, uh, our economy being um, severely impacted and in the degree to that we won't know. Um, uh, and so much of that is yet to come. Uh, we're in election season and the upcoming future of our country. What does that look like? Um, immigration, uh, what does it look like for, for those who are trying to find sanctuary in, in our country? Um, and the list could go on and on and on. You have those issues in your life that I don't know about, but you're holding these before the Lord right now. And in all those, there's a longing that we, we sense or that we know intimately um, uh, or that is, is set right below the surface. Um, through all this process, that so much is being revealed to us that isn't right. Um, I think all of us are grappling to some sense or to some degree with that sense or that feeling of longing, that deep heartache for resolution, for wholeness, for peace, justice, health, security, maybe just to feel happy again. And, and a question that I want to take just a moment to pause, if, if you can, if you have the capacity here or at home, just to, to close your eyes and take a deep breath and just be before the Lord to, to ask him to answer this question, God, what, what is the deep longing of my heart right now? What is the object of my longing? The philosopher and teacher, and he's just awesome, uh, guy Dallas Willard. <laughs> he has a great quote, um, if we can put that up on the screen. Uh, it says, if God is the greatest longing of our souls, then we will be. Then He will become the pole star of our inward being. And Psalm 84 is written by a person. Um, the sons of Korah were actually the the worship leaders back in the day. Um, and there's a lot of really amazing history that I think brings a lot of color to the Psalms that are written by the sons of Korah, which I encourage you to check out. Um, but this person or this group of people are deeply acquainted with the sense of longing, um, that they're either writing from the reality of exile or writing to explain the experience of exile, being away from the temple, being away from the tabernacle, being away from the place of God's presence, 
And, and Psalm 84 is, was written in connection with Psalm 42 and 43, which Brian preached on um, literally the week that our nation erupted um, in, in coming to grips with uh, systemic racism. And it was the psalmist talking about how deeply they long for the Lord's presence, but just being in this place of depression and deep sadness. And the shift that we see in Psalm 84 is, is really beautiful. It's the psalmist saying, I'm still in that place of longing, but the energy shifts from a sense of depression and sadness um, to the sense of excitement and anticipation for this longing to be fulfilled in the presence of God. And so this is what I feel God is inviting us to grapple with today, is he's inviting us to make him the primary object of our longing to think through what, what is that deep longing of my heart? What am I recognizing that is broken in my life? And how does God's presence, trusting in him, finding my strength in him, having him lead me, shape, direct, and make whole, and lead me in this path um, towards, towards processing this longing? Um, and I think this psalm speaks to us in the place that we're at. It doesn't say when you get there, this is what will happen. But it says in that place of longing, here is what God's presence is offering us. Um, so, so there's three Beatitudes that are given. And so if you're familiar on, with the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes are the blessed are those statements. So if you look through the psalm, there's actually three blessed are those statements that I want to talk about today because I, f- I feel like they give us a picture of how we journey through longing with God's presence as our primary ob- uh, object. Um, and it's through seeking to abide in the Lord, to find our strength in him, and to trust in him. Uh, I'm just going to pray real quick to ask. Oh, no. Okay. Sometimes I forget that I prayed earlier on, and I'm like, oh, this would be a good time to pray. So God just bless us as we go through this. <laughs> I pray this would be a blessing to God's people. Um, so so the, the, first, the first beatitude is, blessed are those who abide in the Lord. Uh, verse 4 says, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. And dwell, another way to define that is, um, is to sit, to remain, or abide, right? Um, abide is, is, is some great New Testament language that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but that's this idea of dwelling um, in the house of the Lord, of abiding in God's presence. Um, and I, I love how the psalmist says uh, in verse 1 and 2, he says, How lovely is your dwelling place. And then he says, my heart and my flesh, another way uh, that that's translated is crying out that with his whole body, his flesh, his heart, everything that he has, he's crying out to the Lord saying like, God, how lovely is your dwelling place? How lovely is your presence? Um, and I had to sit with that for a minute because I was like, God, I, I, don't, I don't feel this way or I don't sense this loveliness of your presence um, uh, as often as I want to. Um, and, and, and I think, I think for me, what was coming up is, is when I'm in a place of longing and a place of pain, that can be the, some of the most difficult times to find God, God's presence as lovely. Uh, and I love how this, th- these first verses redirect my heart to understand through the psalmist experience that God's dwelling place, his presence is the most lovely, beautiful place, location for my heart, my mind, my soul, um, my body um, that I can be. Uh, 
so uh, uh, recently we went camping, um, and uh, I, I'm not uh, – I, I enjoy camping, but it's not, like, totally my thing, right? Um, but my wife, Jill, loves camping. And we haven't been camping in a while, um, but after this camping experience, uh, we were talking, and, and she was like, can't, I, like I, I have to do this. Like, I can't not, to use a double negative, I can't not go camping for as long as it was since the last time we went camping. And, and the reason for that is, is that experience um, is such a beautiful, powerful, life-giving, energizing, um, and, and centering experience for, for Jill, right? Um, that's a place where she receives so much. Um, it's so life-giving for her. Uh, but the reason she can articulate that is because she's experienced it. Um, she knows the beauty of camping uh, by doing it and realizing the impact. Um, and I think that's something that we can take away too, is that, uh, take away from this, is that blessed are those who abide in the Lord. Blessed this, this idea of receiving favor, of, of receiving joy, of being in the state of like, oh, yes, I'm so happy, I'm so stoked, I'm so excited. Um, the psalmist is saying, blessed are those who abide in the Lord. Um, and we can't know the goodness of abiding in the Lord unless we're actually doing it. So a story that articulates this uh, for me in the New Testament is the story of Mary and Martha in Luke 10. And this is such a beautiful story that, that I always go back to when I think about abiding uh, in God's presence. Um, and so this is what Luke writes. He says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way home, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Uh, she came to him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all this work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus responds, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. In the midst of the worry, the anxiety, the stress, all the things that they were, like, grappling with and, and working through with, like, Jesus, this, like, famous and amazing rabbi is at home. We got to do all this stuff. We got to make sure the hummus is baked. We got to make sure the pillows are set. We got to, it's like that, that feeling of hospitality. And, and Mary's just like, I'm going to set all this aside to focus on what is the most important thing right now is being at the feet of Jesus. And, and that is what I feel like God is inviting all of us in this season, is that we are experiencing levels of stress, anxiety, disorientation, however you want to define that, um, unlike some of us have never experienced in our entire life. And it's in those moments that we can focus on all, this other, all the other things that we, we need to do. Granted, those may be important, but let's ask the question, are we abiding in the Lord? Are we taking time to sit at the feet of Jesus? Are we taking time to take that breath and pause before we have that conversation, before we, we take that drive, before we do whatever it is, before we respond to that Facebook post or respond to what somebody just said? Are we taking a moment to say, God, how I, I want to abide in you. I want to, to receive from you. I want to listen, to be taught, to be led by you. I want to be in your presence. If you want to think about how to understand abiding, 
Um, for me, at least, a great way to think about it is uh, how I relate to my phone. Um, and it's, it, yeah, I think sometimes when you, when you talk about things, you're just like, is that really how I treat my phone? Um, but I lost it yesterday. It was like between that, that, that edge of seat in your car that you're like, how, whoever designed this, just designed that to be the black hole of whatever. And you're like, I don't know whose small hands can get in that little, you know, to get, but that's where my phone was. I didn't know it was there. And, and I skipped out on spending some really important time with my family and spent a half an hour trying to find my phone because I was stressed out. And to me, as I think about that, I think about how I always know where my phone is. It's right there. And that's a source for being connected. It's a source for education. It's a source for me accessing resources. It's a source for me feeling affirmed at times. It's a source for me of checking out um, through you know, Netflix or Amazon Prime app I have on my phone or social media. There's so much that I look to my phone for um, to meet the needs that I feel like I have in my life. And I had to ask myself, do I abide? Am I aware of the presence of the Lord in my life to the same degree of this thing, right? Um, and I know we have different relationships with technology, but for me, that exemplifies this sense of abiding, this constant awareness, this constant interaction with, this constant um, connection uh, and, and existence with something. Um, again, that might be a little extreme to talk about a phone with, but I think you all get where I'm going, right? Um, so abiding in God's presence is where we feel true direction, affirmation, wisdom, acceptance, forgiveness, and confidence in the midst of our deep longing. Um, Jesus says in John 15 that, uh, he says, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Um, And the beauty of uh, where we're at in redemptive history is that God's promised his presence with us continually to those who trust in him through his Holy Spirit. All of you in this room who trust Jesus as your Lord, your King, and your Savior have been invested with God's very divine spirit. You are living temples of God. Scripture talks about us that way. Um, So I want to remind you of that to think about your capacity to abide in the presence of God is unlike so much of what humanity has experienced um, in the course of our history. Um, That is such an incredible gift for those of us who are seeking to abide. Um, So again, the blessed are those who abide in the Lord. Uh, The second one is blessed are those whose strength is in the Lord. Uh, So in verse 5, the psalmist writes, Blessed are those whose strength is in the Lord and whose hearts are the highways to Zion. Uh, And I love that, that verse. I was like, that's such a good lyric. And it's kind of country, in whose hearts are the highways to Zion, right? You can kind of hear it, like Ryan and the crew. Would, yeah, some, there's something there. Um, but, but that blessed are those whose strength is in you. I think that can be kind of some coded language for us sometimes. It's like, what does it mean for me to find my strength in God? Like, how do I understand that um, and process that as a follower of Jesus? Um, and to me, what I hear from the psalmist is that those who are strengthened by, by the Lord have this roadmap, this inner, the, in, in our inner being, in the, in the innermost place of who we are, 
that is pointed towards and leading towards the presence of God. Um, and I'm going to come back to talking about what does it mean for us to find strength in the Lord. But I want to point out um, another thing, just talking about the idea of strength and power. Is if you read Psalm 84, the psalmist drops this title for the Lord, uh, for God. Um, he says, the Lord of hosts. And and it stuck out to me. I was like, why is, why is there this continual reprisal of the Lord of hosts? And the psalmist is reminding himself and, and God's people that God is, so hosts being um, another term for like armies or just a lot of people. Um, and God is a God of ultimate power and authority. And so when we're talking about finding our strength in God, I think the picture there is we are looking to, to gain, to derive, to place our strength um, in, in the most powerful God. Um, so finding our strength in the Lord, I think, actually comes through the indwelling of God's Spirit in us and as well through abiding in the Lord. So you can see how these, these blessed are statements are not separated from each other, but they're intertwined, right? These work in concert with each other. Um, and uh, and a, a really amazing story that I think illustrates God's people finding their strength in the Lord. Um, and and again, maybe to define that strength further, is, is that it's, it's God's continual empowerment of, of us, of God's people, um, to love him and to love others uh, through being in his presence, right? Being in God's presence is where we derive that power to live out God's commandments um, of loving him and loving others. Uh, so there was, there was an Athenian philosopher back in the day um, whose name was uh, Aristides. I think I'm saying that right. Um, a great name. I feel like you could name an owl or a dog after that, possibly. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> uh, but he was writing, observing Christians and how they were functioning and how they were rolling. And it was sort of this like, I got to catalog this because this is absolutely blowing my mind. And, and in one section he writes, um, and he actually wrote this to uh, Roman leadership to say like, and I just want to say y'all are like really benefiting from the Christians right now. Um, uh, and, but this is one thing he pointed out. He said, when, when one person comes to them in need, they will fast for two to three days so that they can provide that person food. And I was like, dang, like, like just, just processing my own relationship to operating that way. I was like, that is such a beautiful and incredible picture of someone who is, who is being empowered by the Lord to say like, yeah, I'm going to not eat for a couple days so that I can save up and give food to someone who's hungry, food or whatever they're needing, right? Um, if you look at how the psalmist talks about those who are strengthened by the Lord, the illustration he, he, he gives is that um, these are the people who are bringing life, green uh, rain springs to this like arid place, right? Um, that's such a beautiful description of what I see in Aristides' story is that followers of Jesus are being empowered by the Lord and then bringing blessing and life into places that are broken. And like, let's pause for a second and think about the capacity that we have to be empowered by God and what is the deep need of our world right now, right? 
we are in such dire need of people who are bringing blessing into places that are hurting. Um, and, and I want to temper that by saying some of us, maybe a lot of us, maybe all of us in this room or who are watching are in deep pain. You can think of like, how can I, how can I be blessing to somebody else when I feel so deeply in pain? And I think what God is saying is, come to me, abide in me, spend time in my presence, learn from me, receive my power so that you can go out and be a blessing. And so it's that we are receiving blessing from God through abiding and we're being empowered, strengthened to be a blessing. Um, the last little nuance that I want to talk about with this too is I think there's a lot of power being expressed outwards. And, and what I mean by that is I, I feel like so much of our conversation and where our energies are going to is, is saying, here's what's wrong. Here's what we need to fix. Here's what, what is, is out of order, which I think is, is important to recognize. Um, absolutely. And the flip side of that too, um, and something that I think we can, we can forget when we're in times like this is how is God empowering us to do the deep soul work of correction, of conviction, of us bringing ourselves before the Lord and saying, God, you are my king, you are my Lord, you are my savior. I'm the clay in your hands. How do you want to reshape and lead me top to bottom? How do you want to change my worldview? How do you want to shape my political beliefs? How do you want to, to lead me in the way that I'm functioning in this world and caring for people and speaking into other people's life? Like, like, are we inviting God to empower us through his Holy Spirit to do that deep soul work? Um, I think that is something that God wants to do in this season for us. Um, and only through abiding in God's presence and being empowered by him, like that is the pathway for God to do that deep work. Uh, the last one that we'll talk about today is blessed are those who trust in the Lord. So verse 12, uh, the psalmist writes, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. So to trust means to have confidence in, right? And there's so many things we trust, right? Like, I mean, we have, we have a very deep connection and understanding of what trust mean, uh, means. And, and I, I love how the psalmist elaborates on this earlier. And he says this, this classic line, he says, for, for a day, in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. And what I love about that is, is, is I feel like the psalmist is articulating that they have so much trust and confidence in the goodness of the Lord that they're like, whatever, like, like one day in God's presence is better than, than a thousand or millennia, right? It's, it's hyperbolic language of, like a day in God's presence is worth more than anything. And I think it's hard for us to relate to like a doorkeeper versus dwelling in someone's tent, right? Or like, like that's not language we can necessarily connect with too much. But I think the picture there is, is a doorkeeper being maybe a, a more lowly position and dwelling in someone, someone's tent being a more like favorable, desirable place, right? On paper, but the psalmist is saying, I would rather have this lowly place just to be like near, just in the doorway of God's presence than be sheltered in the tents of the wicked. 
The psalmist has so much confidence in God's goodness um, uh, in the goodness of God's presence that he would give up anything to be in it. Um, there's a couple stories in Scripture that I think help help articulate and help us understand and empathize with our process of trusting God. And one of them is the story of the rich young man in Mark 10. So there's a man who comes to Jesus and he says, God, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus kind of runs through the game and, he's, uh, and, and he, he says, well, have you done this and this? And he kind of goes through the commandments. And the rich young ruler is like, yeah, I've done all those. And, you know, and we know like, okay, like that hasn't happened for sure. Um, but he, he responds with like, yeah, I've done all those. And Jesus says this, he says, uh, or, and this is what um, uh, the, the gospel author writes. He writes, and Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, you're lacking in one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, the man went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And what I love about this story is it speaks to my experience that I struggle deeply at times with having confidence in God when where God is leading me, what God is speaking to me, what God's showing to me goes against the very thing that I desire most. That is not God. Um, these are what the scripture calls idols, right? That's a, a term that comes up a lot um, in, in teaching. Uh, and this is, this is the things that we trust to bring us, quote unquote, eternal life, happiness, security, um, you know, whatever that, whatever that is for you, um, uh, whatever we're trusting other than God and his leading to lead us to eternal life. Um, and this is the struggle I think we face in our longing to uh, is can we ultimately trust God to lead us to be our king and our savior? Uh, Scott McKnight has this, to me, gut punch of a quote um, in his book, The King Jesus Gospel, and he says this. He says, the gospel isn't for spectators. You have to participate for it to work its powers. And I think his point is that we realize we realize how much we can trust God as we continue, continually live into the gospel. And the, the gospel is the testimony of Scripture um, to who God is, what he's done, and what he's going to do. That when we believe that, when we live into that, that is what actually builds our trust in God. Um, Jesus gives another illustration in Matthew 13 where he talks about the kingdom of heaven and now it's like a hidden treasure in a field. And when a man found it, he went uh, and hid it again. And then it says, and then in his joy, because he was so stoked about the kingdom of heaven, he went and sold all that he had. Uh, or that, that he was so stoked about this treasure, he went and sold all that he had and bought the field. And what I love about this story is I feel like it's the flip side of the story of the rich young ruler is that when we begin to trust God's goodness, uh, what we deeply long for begins to be reshaped and we begin to do anything to be in his presence. We, we get wild, right? It's like whatever, whatever I need to do to, to be in God's presence, to derive my strength from him, to trust him, I'm going to do it. Um, 
Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, and so I think as we close, if you're in this process of like, God, I have this deep longing, I don't know what to do with it, and I don't know where to start when I walk out of this door, when I hop in my car, when I go back home, I think God's inviting us to really start where we started today, is that starting by sitting at the feet of Jesus, of learning from him, of taking his yoke upon us, to letting him shape us, to knowing that that the path to eternal life is through Jesus as our king, our savior. Um, so I, I want to close there and pray for us uh, as the Holy Spirit just takes us deeper into our hearts. Um, so God, you, it's such a trip, Lord, because you, through your deep longing for your people, uh, God, you made the most amazing, beautiful, um, and great sacrifice for your people. Um, God, you gave your only son because you longed for and loved your people. Uh, and so, God, it was, we're in this season of, of looking for direction, of trying to process this, this sense of longing, this sense of, of out of order, God, as we want the resolution. Um, God, only you know how to lead us in that. And so, God, I pray that you would bring us to a place of joy, um, a place of worship, a place of abiding in you, finding our strength in you, trusting in you, Jesus, um, to lead us in how we are to be your followers uh, in, in, in a time when um, almost uh, the, greatest, the greatest time uh, where, Jesus, your followers need to be um, abiding in you. So we love you, Jesus. Pray your blessing upon um, our church family. Uh, we lift this up to you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.